0: Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. I have taken an oath and confirmed it, that I will follow your righteous laws. I have suffered much. Preserve my life, Lord, according to your word. Accept, Lord, the willing praise of my mouth and teach me your laws. Welcome to The Gospel Life. With pastors Rob Mayer and Kyle Rogers, gentlemen, welcome.
1: Hello, Jay. Fellers, good to see you. Good, good,
0: good to be here. Today we're going to lay down the law. All right. This episode, the law. Uh, Pastor Rob, as believers, when referring to God's purpose and word, what on earth is the law?
2: The law. Very good. Very good. The law is very good. That (laughs) is a huge thing because the law of God reveals God. It's an expression of his nature and character. It is showing us who God is. God doesn't say, all right, let's do these things disconnected from himself. No, they reveal they're an expression of his nature and character. Second thing, the law reveals God's desire. For humanity, he says, This is how you live in such a way that you will flourish as a human being made in my image. The law also makes clear God's standards to be in relationship with Him, what He calls His people to be like and to do. The law also brings judgment. Maybe when we just said the law, everybody bristled and said let's find another podcast let's listen to something else because it does bring judgment we hear that and the law we got to say it too leads to death so the law is multifaceted and it is used by god in mighty and powerful ways but it is good even though ultimately the law leads to death
0: Yes, Pastor Kyle, How, mm-hmm. why did God bring us the law? Why did he uh, share it with Moses or mm-hmm. before and uh, proclaim it to us through his
1: word? Yeah, that's a good question. I think to answer that, I'll go back just to the biblical storyline of where we're first introduced to the law. So we see the people of Israel, they are slaves in Egypt. Um, God rescues them from that and brings them in an exodus out of Egypt through the Red Sea, brings them into the wilderness on their way to a promised land. He has a purpose in rescuing them, in saving them. They were rescued by the blood of the lamb over their doorposts, freed from slavery, freed from their captors, and now they're going somewhere. And in the midst of this journey, he comes to them and says, this is what I'm like, and this is what I want you to be like. And he does that by bringing them the law. So in Exodus 20, we see Moses as they're right on the other side of the Red Sea, figuring out what they're going to do. But God calls Moses to the top of Mount Sinai. He goes up there. And we oftentimes think of him just getting the Ten Commandments written in stone. But actually, we learn later through Exodus and Leviticus that it's more than just Ten Commandments. In total, there's 613 commandments of what it means to have right relationship with God and right relationship with neighbor, demonstrating who God is and how we live in light of that. So in the biblical narrative, that's where we're first introduced to the law. He comes down excited to tell these people, this is what God has for us. This is what he's designed for us. And what have they done? When he was up there, they're like, God's left us. They took all the gold from Egypt that they brought, and they ground, or they ground it up, made a golden calf, and they started worshiping a different god. Showing us that right at the moment that the law is given, humanity mm. is failing to live up to it. <laughs> In the exact same yeah. moment. So you asked the question, why? Why? Why the law? Well, I think as Rob answered it, it, it shows us what God's like and His design and call for His covenant people. Um, ultimate fulfillment to it would be living in right relationship with God and others but as we all know and we're going to be talking about on the podcast we all fall short of that.
0: You mentioned bristling I don't know about you but still to this day if I'm driving down the road and a cop comes up behind me in the car (laughs) I get a little weirded out. Mm -hmm.
2: What is that? You fought the law and the law law man. (laughs) You know and it's we in our sin we fight the law. That's one of our natural responses to the law. We, God actually says, "Do this and you will live." Mm-hmm. Now, I I talked about the law leads to death. Well, there's there's something there, you know, that that maybe Kyle can help unpack mm-hmm. for us a little bit more. Do this, and you will live. Mm-hmm. You know, that's Exodus 20. Do mm-hmm. this, yep. and you will live. It will go
1: well for you. We'll it, well will for be, kids, kids it will go well you. yeah. yeah. for your kids, kids after you, for generations. Yep.
2: Do this. Yep. And you will live, but the law leads to death. It brings fear, it brings anxiety, and there's lots of responses. I believe, because of our sin, leads to death. Mm -hmm. But do this and you will live, those are something we gotta reconcile.
1: Yeah, yeah, the tension is God's design for his people and then the reality of living in a world of sin and death. And in that, we, we almost go back to the garden. Like, here's this garden of relational perfection with God and others. My design for you is to rest here and to trust me, God says. And yet in sin, they rebel against God's, God's ways, God's sovereign rule, God's goodness, and they try to find life on their own. So the tension is this is where human flourishing happens in obedience to God's will and command which in we see Exodus is expressed through the law. But because of sin, we all fall short of it because we think we're our own gods. So this tension, right, that left to our own devices, we can't reconcile. I think it's, what is it, Galatians that says um, anyone who relies on the law is cursed. And then again in James, James says anyone who tries to keep the whole law but fails in one point of it becomes accountable for all of it. You actually have to live a perfect life to fulfill the law. And we all recognize all of us fall short of that.
0: And it seems easy to swing one way or the other. Okay, give me the law, give me the rules, and yep. I'm, I'm going to do it. Yep. I'm going to walk that path, and I'm yep. going to do it perfectly. Yep. Or there's no way I can live up to that. For sure. And yep. so shame starts to kick in. Yeah. Why even try?
1: Yeah. yeah, I think that's a good question someone who tries to be religious and live up to the law. And then the alternative response that you just described is rebellious. I can't live up to it. The challenging thing about that, whichever path you choose, and I would say because of our upbringing, because of kind of the way we're wired, we all have a natural inclination. At the end of the day, Paul tells the Romans, he says the law is written on our heart. Mm. So even if we try to run away from it and say, law doesn't apply to me, no matter how fast I'm going, no matter what road I'm on, I still know I'm breaking the law. I still know that I'm breaking the speed limit because there's this law that's been written on me as an image bearer of God that I can't get away from. Unpack
0: that some more. How about, I mean, as an unbeliever, How is the law on their heart? In what way? Give an example.
1: For sure, morality. Okay. So so you talk to an unbeliever, and I think we've talked before about the relativistic culture that we live in, and everyone defines what's right in their own eyes, as Paul says to the Romans in Romans 1, right? They're all doing what's right in their own eyes, thinking that they're their own gods, trading the truth of God for a lie. But at the end of the day, there is a standard of rightness. When you look at someone who's committed a heinous crime, even the unbeliever, the most staunch atheist goes, that's wrong. Why? Why is that wrong? That person thought they were doing right. That person thought that what they were doing was right in their own eyes, but you're saying that's wrong. Something's written on you as an image bearer. And it's not just an evolutionary trait for the sake of survival. It's a matter of goodness and morality that's inside of us and we can't shake it. So no matter how far you try to just say, forget the law, forget, it's still written on our hearts and we can't get away from it. In our society, it feels like
0: we have an attempt at the law. Uh, You know, we have a civil pursuit of Mm -hmm. justice, Mm -hmm. but it certainly falls short. Mm -hmm. I think we see it all the time in the news. Mm -hmm. How does God bring perfectly the law?
2: Well, as we talked about, you know, the law being good and it reveals the nature of character of God and ultimately the revealing of the law is perfectly in Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And Jesus talked a lot about the law. He didn't come to bring a, a new law. He came to really, if we look at the Sermon on the Mount, he's really unpacking the totality of the law. Yeah, and in, in the group, we can, we can assume, because as we read the gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we see that there were, there were two groups of people on both sides of the spectrum. Kyle mentioned you had, you had the, uh, the people that loved Jesus. You had the, the people that were rebellious, but in their hearts, you know, they were maybe fleeing from uh, the law or their culture was saying was right and wrong. And, 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 and being in a Jewish culture, they, they knew they had failed, but Jesus received them. And, uh, you know, being rebellious, they were openly, I mean, the, the groups would say, why do you eat with uh, sinners? You know, and that's the other side of the group that mm-hmm. were saying that. You have sinners, and then you have people that, or over here, they that that saying, "Well, we're following the law." Mm-hmm. And and the group that really was always around Jesus and his teaching was, uh, you know, the religious, the Pharisee, those that were actually in that community. They were the best at keeping the law. They were professional law keepers. They were, uh, they were lay people that, that quit everything in their life to follow God's law, to know God's law. Then you had, you know, the sinners on the other side who knew that they weren't keeping the law. And, and everybody in between. Mm-hmm. Now, Jesus spoke to these people. And what he did when he, he gave this Sermon on the Mount that's found in Matthew 5 through 7. You see, he's speaking to all these groups. He's saying things like, you know that it's wrong to murder. And everybody's going like this. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. yes it is. It's wrong to murder. But it's, if you have anger in your heart, you've committed the act of murder. You know it's wrong to commit adultery. But if you look with lust in your heart at someone who's not your wife, you've committed adultery and he's unpacking the totality of the law and I, I can just imagine being in that scene you know listening if i was in one camp mm. or the other and going wow yeah yeah whoa wait what <laughs> you know and, and, and then that's me <laughs> and then he says so the sinner group yeah. if your righteousness does not exceed that of the scribes and the pharisees who are the best at keeping the law you will never enter the kingdom of heaven mm-hmm. Well, the scribes and the Pharisees are feeling pretty good that right? We're, mm-hmm. we're the standard. Then he ups it up one more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaks to the other group, the religious group. And he says, you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. That's mm-hmm. Matthew five forty-eight. Mm-hmm. So what he's doing is he's showing the totality of the law, which yep. does now another thing. It reveals that no one can keep the law. Yeah, so good. Yep. No one can keep it. And so... The question then is, how do we get saved? Yeah, how do we... you said so
0: good. <laughs> what on earth is good about that? That sounds condemning.
1: That yeah. sounds uh, terrifying. Because we need another. We need a rescuer. We need some help. Yeah. No one can do it. If we could do it on our own, then sweet, I'm good on my own. But in that very statement of your righteousness must exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees and you must be perfect, every human being goes, I can't do that. Can't do it. I've, I failed at that. I'm totally lost. Help me.
0: It yeah. sounds like you've rigged the game, though.
3: Hmm.
0: You, you, I, I never had a chance of winning in the first place.
3: Hmm.
2: Well, that is absolutely true. Here's hmm. the reality is God is perfect, and to be in relationship with him, we must be perfect like him. Therefore, that's why it reveals the nature and character of God that we see perfectly in the person of Jesus Christ. We see this is if you live this way, If you live this way, all of it, you will have life. We saw life personified in the person of Jesus. We see God's standards as many, specifically the The religious group, they'd lowered God's standard to something that was manageable. They'd Mm. focus on certain aspects of the law, and they would say, we're loving God, but they were failing to love their neighbor. They were failing, they were judging, looking down their nose at the the group, the sinner group that was not doing what they were doing. So they were judging. So you see, the law brings judgment, not not ultimately when we actually see the totality of it from God, but towards our neighbor. And it leads to death. And that's really where, because we all have failed, it leads to death, but it brings life. When we look to the perfect lawgiver, Jesus Christ, who satisfied the demands of God through his life, through his death, and showed us who he was through his resurrection. So it is this... Reality of showing us, the law is showing us not only what God is like and what he demands, but that he's met his demands perfectly for us so it shows us the love of God. And that we, when we surrender to him, can actually receive new life and actually begin to do the law by the power of the Holy Spirit. So it's this remarkable way in which God shows us who He is, reveals much about Himself and then brings us into relationship to Him if we trust Him.
0: Let me bring up a question here from uh, someone in the church.
2: This is Emily from Puyallup. I have a question about people that may have never heard about Jesus. What happens to people who live in isolated groups that may have never heard someone say the name Jesus? Do they automatically go to heaven?
1: Oh, Emily, I love that question. I think if we're honest, every single one of us has asked that. Do people that live in isolated people groups that have never heard the gospel, never heard about Jesus, do they, do they just get a free pass? Because that seems to make sense. God is is good. Yeah, right? They haven't heard. They haven't had the opportunity. They've never actually heard the law spoken from God's word. They haven't been told that they're sinners from God's word. Yeah, for sure they should get a free pass. That's where our logic goes. Because we think, okay, God, you're, you're just good. But when we consider the totality of who God is, I think it's really important in answering really complex theological questions that we never take just one aspect of God and then develop a theology based on one character trait. We have to consider the fact that God is good, but at the same time, he's also just. And at the same time, he's just, he's also holy. And I think going to that question, Paul says that for these Gentiles, and that's who he's talking about. He doesn't say unreached people groups living in the tribe in the Amazon, but he's talking about the Gentiles in the start of Romans. He says the law is written on their hearts, that they are made in the image of God to have a relationship with God. But because they enter into a world of sin and death on this side of the garden, every human being falls short of God's standard of perfection. Every human being, we enter into the curse, the original depravity, we're entering into this world sinners. You don't have to wait till you're a five-year-old to start sinning. You're born into sin, which means that we all fall short of that. So it's a really hard, hard question to answer, but to be able to say, well, in light of what we know about God and the storyline of scripture and these truths about wrath and judgment, no one gets a free pass. All have sinned all fall short of the glory of god everyone's in that camp and then everyone needs a savior i think that then goes to the next question well then how will they be saved how do they get saved if they haven't heard is that unjust of god but i think what she asked we have to be really clear that no no one gets a free pass which is why we need a savior
0: that brings up um, a passage in romans 2 for all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law Mm -hmm and all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. Would you care to elaborate more on that? How do you translate that?
1: Uh, I think I think that's super clear. We're all under the law, all of us. Even if we haven't heard it, we're still under it. And if we're trying to live by it, then we'll perish from it. Like we can't live up to it. So I think that that passage is really clear because it talks about those two different people groups.
2: Yeah. We also have to understand that God is much bigger than the box that we have a tendency to put Amen. in. Amen. Amen. I think it's easy to kind of equate our mm. our way of understanding God in our modern context to every single other context. I just heard uh, an amazing story yesterday of God working in the Muslim world as he is right now, and a man who's actually leading in the religious Muslim communities, leading groups and groups of people, and... One person uh, realized that you know I'm going to go share Christ with this man, and he went to this man's house, worked up, really understanding that it's probably going to be persecuted and it's probably not going to go up. But the Lord said, "Go share, share the Lord with him." And so he knocked on the door and he he shared. He said, "Hey, I'm a Christian and I feel like the Lord is." asking me to come to your door and tell you about Jesus he says well let me stop you right there because this Jesus appeared to me yeah. in a in a dream last night and i believe we're talking about the same Jesus and it was this miraculous way this guy was saved hmm. you know they had this dialogue after to bring clarity to this vision but god can save people yeah. mm-hmm any way he wants to save people. And if we take God and put him in a box and saying, because these, you know, we like to say these, this isolated group of people that live in the Amazon, well, because they aren't going to hear the gospel maybe in the same way we do now living, living in the, in the age we have accessibility to the gospel is far greater Mm -hmm. than it ever has been. But God can save people yeah. outside of the ways yeah. in which we think. And and with
1: that, too, I think we hear in Paul in Romans, at the end of him, he spends the whole first half of it talking about the law, then Christ is a fulfillment of it. And then he says, so go tell people. How will they know if they haven't heard and how will they hear if someone hasn't shared it with them? So let's go, baby, (laughs) go share it with them because they need to know. And I think Emily's question, and and I think the other half of it that you started going to Rob brings up the question of election. And I think we should do a podcast on that Mm -hmm. because that helps us to answer some of those more complex theological questions on the other side of that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a fantastic question. I too have asked the question. I think there's a bit of irony in that it's almost like trying to get a little gotcha you know on god and his fairness Mm -hmm. we're talking about the law Mm -hmm. and i think we're tempted to judge god and how he's doing it and is he fair in doing this if there's a people group outside who hasn't heard well that doesn't sound fair that's we're tempted to
1: but he's just yeah and he's also good yeah and what you said earlier like well it seems like god rigged the game Man, if we think about God as this taskmaster, then that's really unloving. But at the same time, that God is just and holy, he's also perfectly good. Yeah. So what if you have a designer of the game who's both just and holy, but also perfect in his goodness? Mm-hmm. We can actually go praise you God for rigging the game <laughs> because you set it up for us to fail and need you. You set it up from the
2: garden mm-hmm. for dependence and you're good. That's really sweet. Yeah, yeah, dependence and, and him being good is because that's what we we're made for. Yep, We don't have the capacity to be God, to, <laughs> yeah. to do the things that God yeah. does. We are actually created beings. Therefore, when we try to live in autonomy, we just can't do it. And yeah. so actually... If we, we kind of go, well, how, this is how God set it up. Well, actually what he's doing is we broke it. God's bringing us back mm. through his law to show us our need so that we cling to the Savior, the one who loved us and gave himself for us. And that's Jesus Christ.
0: Yeah, I can't help but think the eternal God knowing they're going to fail, there would be sin. I could choose never to create them in the first place, Or I can create them and and bless them by knowing and seeing my grace, mercy, and goodness and showing my uh, saving grace. Hmm. They will fail. They will sin. I will bring my character through my law. I will intervene into human history as a savior.
1: Yeah, that oh. is the game. That Come is the on, game. if you're yeah. listening right now, do 10
2: second rewind and listen to that again
1: because <laughs> yeah. that was so good. Yeah.
2: Oh, that was good. You know, and I think that's the one of the, the important things of the law. The law reveals God. Mm-hmm. You know, if we if we're left to our own devices, and we see this in our culture, we're left to our own devices, and we kind of we kind of each are you know masters of our own domain and we're kind of, you know, morality, we kind of create our own morality. Um, Then we're just going to be all over each other. You need to be this, you need to be that. And that's what's happening. Like, you know, but there is a law that supersedes all our little laws that we, that we try to live by. It's the law of God reveals God. It reveals how good God is, who he is, what he's like. He then shows us how to live through the law for human flourishing. I mean, Romans seven says mm. the law is holy. It is just, it is good. Mm. Well, Kyle, you said all those things about God, mm-hmm. yep. you know, and it makes clear God's standards, mm. what he requires. Mm. He, the, the law is what God demands yep. of his created people. That's why then the law brings judgment because we know mm. we've fallen short so of with that, God's you, glory. You, with that,
0: you said it brings judgment, it brings death. So just to clarify, mm-hmm what are the consequences for me as a breaker of the law
1: hmm. eternal separation from god um, damnation apart from him um, death in my life death in my relationships um, death and separation for all time uh, and that's really heavy yeah, yeah. We, we when i just said that there should be a oh boy is yeah. he really saying that because that's that's a big claim but the bible makes that claim
2: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. romans 3 says the wage of sin is death death in every way yeah. death we instead of human flourishing it's human suffering yes suffering for all eternity yeah. separated from God apart from your Creator forever yeah. and then also death in all relation we see this in life death in in every single way specifically yeah. relational
0: death. So then what and where is the hope?
2: <laughs> For the wages of sin is death, Romans 3.23 says. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The law leads to death, but the law also leads, opens the door to life. Jesus said this, I came yep. in John 10, I came that they may have life and have it a Abundantly, yep. see the law leads us to death, but also to a resurrection yep. when we trust in the finished work of Jesus.
1: Yeah, and I think it's important for us what you just said is starting to unpack what the Bible says about Christ and the law. Because th- with the law, you asked, "Well, what? Where's the hope?" Well, then that leads us to Jesus. Galatians three twenty four. Paul says, "The law was our guardian until Christ came." Mm. It was kind of the moral guardrails, but they couldn't last forever because we were all breaking it all the time. And it was pointing to somebody else, to Christ. John begins by saying the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus. That when this Jesus comes, he doesn't just come to say, i am come to fulfill the law. I'm here, but I'm bringing grace with me for lawbreakers. Mm. Come on. Why is he hanging out with prostitutes and tax collectors? Lawbreakers. Because he has grace for them. And he loves them. And he cares for them and sees that it's not about just living up to the letter of the law. The spirit of the law is of dependence upon God, where we love him and love others. And that's where life happens. So Jesus comes and has grace for lawbreakers. Then he fulfills the law on their behalf. And then in Galatians 3.13, Paul says, Anyone who relies on the law is cursed, but Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. He took our law breaking to the cross. He took the record of wrong that stood against us and took it and he absorbed it perfectly freeing us from it.
0: So if you'd unpack that some more, cause I think sometimes the, the interpretation is, uh, okay, so he just kind of forgot the law. Mm. He looked over the law. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to forgive and forget. So he forget mm-hmm. forgot the law for a little bit mm-hmm. when Jesus came. So it doesn't apply to us anymore. Is that accurate or is Whoa. there more to it than oh,
1: that? Boy. Uh, That's such a good question, Jay. Uh, He didn't forget it at all. Um, Jesus came and he lived perfectly to the letter of the law from his birthday to his death day. He fulfilled perfect righteousness. And then he didn't just pass away like every other human passed away. He actually went to a cross where God pours out his wrath against lawbreakers on his perfect spotless son. Every lawbreaker that looks to him goes, he doesn't deserve that. He didn't do anything to get that. And he says, I'm doing this in love for you because there's no other way for you to be freed from the curse of the law. So no, he doesn't forget it. He pours it out on his son and then by him we're free.
2: That's amazing news. (laughs) Yeah, Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. On the cross, what did Jesus say? What were his final words? Yeah. It It is finished. finished. He accomplished the law. He did it. Jesus accomplished the law. He satisfied the just demands of the law for us i think this is one of the greatest theological truths that we need to grasp as believers jesus didn't just die for my sin yes he did and absolutely hallelujah amen but he lived for me too yeah Mm -hmm. he lived from his birthday until his death day perfectly righteous he obeyed the law in every way thought word deed and motive he satisfied the demands of god on behalf of sinners who cannot do it
0: so with faith in christ the law is no longer above me over me i'm no longer subject to it so i can do whatever (laughs) well it's interesting it says
2: for righteousness you know Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. Yep. That's where the law brings death. It brings death to my striving, right? To my trying to uh, please God, to try to uh, appease Him, right? So that He'll love me. It's death to that. That that's good news, right? It's 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 it is a remarkable gift, and that's why the gospel is good news.
1: Yeah, there's uh, something that Paul says in Romans 7, 4 about, okay, now what? Right? Like, all right, if Jesus Christ, he died, he he met the perfect requirements of the law, and he took the punishment for lawbreakers on the cross, on the other side of the cross in the resurrection, now what, what do we do? He says in Romans 7, he says, the law of the spirit of life has set us free from the law of sin and death. So we're free from the law of sin and death, but now there's a spirit of life What does that mean? And he unpacks it in Romans 7. He says, Romans 7, 4. Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ. We've been talking about that. So that, which is the now what? So that you may belong to another. To him who's been raised from the dead. In order that we may bear fruit for God. So on the other side of this. Before Jesus came, we're accused and condemned as lawbreakers. But what's the law about? Jesus says in Matthew 22 mm-hmm. the law's about loving God and loving others. Mm-hmm. That's really what it's about. That's actually at the core of what it is. All of it connects to that. Now on the other side, we're free. We have a new resource in us. We can love God and love others now and put, as you said at the beginning, God's law was designed to put Him on display and tell us what he's like and also allow for human flourishing.
2: Now we can do that. We can do that by the power of the spirit. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So good. Yeah. And we love God and we can love others. Yes because he first loved yep. us. Yep. So Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. Yep. I'm not now trying to earn my approval, do uh, things to try to get God. He loves me. Yep. I am love. I am adopted. I am sealed. I am secure. I am forever his. I now have eternal life forevermore. Now I can love God. That Now my response mm. is authentic and true. God, God loves me, I love him, and now I extend that love to other people. Yeah. And that's how now I can actually flourish as a human. I can actually follow the law. It's interesting when, when God gave the law to the people, it's not in the first few pages, it's not even the first book in the Bible, it's in hmm. Exodus, the second book in the Bible in Exodus 20, after he gracefully brought them out of Egypt. Grace actually led them out, protected them, provided for them, and then God showed them, gave them the law to show them, and then they realized, wow, not only is God good and gracious and kind, but he's just, and I need him, not just in this moment, for for every moment for the rest of my life. So actually grace precedes the law, and then grace fuels law-keeping in every believer and that's actually how we mm. can now live life mm-hmm. as God designed mm-hmm. and flourish.
0: Amen. It's good. Amen, amen, amen. All day amen. <laughs> so, uh, speaking of flourishing in day to day for the believer out there, how do these truths that we've been discussing apply to sin both sides of it? Or I know there's more than two sides, but either the sins you've committed, I'm a sinner, I'm uh, there's no way I could qualify for God's kingdom. Or you've been sinned against, and 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 there may be a pressure to feel like I'm just supposed to forgive and forget that horrific sin that was committed against me. That's a good question. How does the the law and what Christ has fulfilled speak to those things, Kyle?
1: So those that have committed sin, what do we do? Well. We'd learn from scripture, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's only possible because Jesus met the demands of the law on the cross. Before the cross, confess your sins? Yeah, but you're still held to that. But because of Jesus, he fulfilled it. I can confess my sins. I can cry out for help. I can look to Jesus and I can receive God's perfect forgiveness. And then as Colossians says, I can be reminded that the record of wrong that stood against me was canceled and set aside when God nailed it to the cross. All right. If you're stuck in sin, if you are constantly aware of the fact that you are a lawbreaker and it's bringing condemnation and shame in your life, look to the cross where that shame was poured out on Jesus. See that the power of sin has been broken. The penalty of sin has been paid for. And now whenever you sin, you don't have to punish yourself because God punished his son for you. You can say, help me, God, son of David, have mercy on me, a sinner. And he says, okay, I, I do because you've looked to Jesus. So you don't have to do the rat race anymore. You just get to cry out, save me, God, help me. I confess, and he reminds us of Jesus. That's freedom, man. (laughs) (laughs) I say that as a man who struggled for two decades in the same sin again and again and again, cleaning myself up, trying to fix it, trying to pay penance for it. Hmm. And the only thing that broke me from that wasn't do better, Kyle. The
2: only thing that broke me from that was God's grace saying, you are forgiven. Yeah, that changes everything, which I think that leads into the second half is that's all of us. Yeah, we all need God's grace. Now, if we live in this world, we've also been sinned against. But we need to start from the paradigm where we need God's grace. Now, we are commanded to forgive as we have been forgiven. And I think we feel that's an imperative. That's you should forgive those that have wronged you, have hurt you, have abused you, have mistreated you, maligned you, have, have, have sinned against you. Well, how can you reconcile that? Let's say that this person that did this is not even asking for forgiveness. What do you do? Well, first you realize your position before God, number one, that you need forgiveness. And that's what Jesus is ultimately saying in that, in that, in, when he gives that imperative if you know how much you've been forgiven, you you will be able to, in time, to forgive. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the keys is understanding the law. That no, no breaking of the law will go unpunished. I mean, that's a big deal. If I've been sinned against, and I am hurting, and I want justice, faith in God being just will help me in my being able to forgive this person but also understanding that this will be punished. Either that person that sinned against me they give that sin, they realize what they committed is against God ultimately as against me, this person, and it went to the cross, and they received the mercy and grace forgiveness that I've received that Jesus paid for, which Jesus will forgive and He will do a transformation. But if this person chooses not to, the wrath of God will be poured out on this person. Therefore, do not seek vengeance against your opponents. Do not, do not go, but pray for your enemies. Pray for those who who persecute you. Vengeance belongs yep. to the Lord. Yep. Mm-hmm. All sin in this world will be punished. So if you're on this end of it, being sinned against, you can first remember, man, God's forgiven me. Yeah. And that will empower you and give you the ability to begin to forgive, but also realize that if this sin will not go unpunished, either we'll go to Jesus yep. or that person will be, that so we'll, good. We'll have to be yep. dealt with. There, That's huh? so good. And we'll be dealt with. Yeah.
0: How can we, as uh, members of Gospel Life and sharing in one community, how can we listen well to one another, respond well to one another, not ignoring the law, mm. but also um, lifting up the law, loving the law, as well as the grace that's extended to us and help disciple one another?
1: Yeah. I think the first thing that comes to my mind is uh, something I heard a while ago. I can't even remember who said it to me. They said, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Mm. And what he meant by that is that there's no hierarchy in this kingdom. There's no, all right, I'm kind of a little lawbreaker, but you're a really big lawbreaker. So when you confess your sins in community, oh, you kind of make that face. Oh, whoa, I can't believe you did that. One of the best ways we love each other is recognizing we all fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace as a gift. So you and I are in the same boat, regardless of what you're struggling with, regardless of even um, on your best day, we still have a tendency towards sin because we live in bodies of death. We're living still in the flesh. We're not surprised by each other's sin. And that's one of the best things that we can do as a covenant community, as a church family, not be surprised by one another's sin, but demonstrate the grace we've already received through Jesus to one another and create safe places to say, hey, guess what? We actually don't have to try to live up to the law any longer. It's mm-hmm. been fulfilled in Jesus. So now I can freely confess because that's where freedom is found. That's the first thing that comes to my mind. Yeah. My prayer is that we as a church would be a safe place that doesn't make funny faces to each other when we hear someone confess sin, but goes, welcome,
2: brother. Well, yeah. the funny face comes from actually believing that you're keeping the mm-hmm. law yep. as Jesus pres- yep. prescribed yep. in its totality. Yep. You see... Yep. We have a tendency inside the church to focus on our little area of the law and then judge others based on how well we're keeping our little portion of it. But we're doing exactly what the Pharisees did, who were looking down on the tax collectors and the prostitutes. And really, Jesus says, you guys are whitewashed tombs. You guys are fooling yourselves. You guys are dumbing down the law. You've created it to, to a level you can actually jump over, but you've missed it. It is something you can't reach and nobody can reach. You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. And I think that is how we need to live inside the church. You know, we can be inside the church, good at keeping little aspects of the law and looking down on others, and that is really... Not loving the law, as David says, O oh Lord, I love your law. I meditate on it all day and night. Your commandments make me wiser, wiser to my own sin and the breaking of the law that I do all the time. And therefore, when you confess, it should not surprise me. And I should actually be listening to you where you're good in areas of keeping the law, where I'm not good. See, we're not, the law is now, It's Jesus Christ is the end of law for righteousness. So I'm right. You're right. Inside yeah. the church, when we church, we are all That's righteous unreal, before man. God. So yeah. our law keeping is now our guide. Yeah. It's the path of human flourishing. So now it's like, oh, you've sinned in that area. Well, I've sinned in this area. So how are you keeping this area? Yeah. How are you doing in this? Let's pray yeah. for each other. Let's yeah. let's let's better each other. Well, isn't that it? Would not be just a a great a great community to live in. I just think that sounds great. Not only for us,
1: but for the unbelieving watching world. Yeah. As you're saying that, I'm thinking, what's the most attractive thing to people that have the law of God written on their hearts living outside of this, knowing that they don't measure up, and they've only seen from the church this expectation of measure up? Well, do they come in and recognize, oh, they're just like me. This is a hospital where people are just saying, I need Jesus, I need Jesus too. Mm -hmm. My prayer is that we as a church would be that for the community around us, that no one would come in and feel surprised by the things that they struggle with because they realize, oh, everyone else is struggling too. There's just a difference. They have found rescue from guilt. They found freedom from condemnation. And they have hope in Jesus. Amen. Would we be a community that demonstrates that to the greater Puyallup Valley?
2: Yeah. yeah. I mean, I just think that would be the greatest witness in a world that is living according to the law. Yeah now it's lowercase law yep. right it's not necessarily the law of god but everybody's living according to the law of god and they just lowered the yep. you hmm. know the capital to like law like yep. hey you know Kyle if you don't do it this way or if you don't vote this way yep. then you know if it's you don't do laws, this man. if you don't parent this yep. way or if you don't yep. you know handle your finances in this that's yep. all law that's all law and that's what we're doing now if we lived if we lived according to the grace of god all at, you know, understanding our need, if we started there, and then we could listen, we could learn, we could grow, we could dis- disciple one another, we could shepherd one another, we could actually have this beautiful kingdom community yep. that is an expression of the kingdom of God to a watching world. Oh, praise God! Doing That's things so the world cannot do because yep. they do not have the Holy Spirit. So they're still they're still living under the law on their way to death.
0: Yeah, I think outside the church or even inside, there is a hypocrisy that is recognized when we try to take the law in our own hands or lord it over others. And so yes, may we be a humble people that is seeking God's word and his spirit to walk according to his statutes and love it.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Amen. Yeah. Heavenly Father, we come before you as needers needers i don't even know if that's a word but we are needers of the law we need the law and god we praise you that you've given the law and you fulfill the law perfectly in your son jesus because we're needers of grace jesus you live the life that god requires you did it on our behalf you went to the cross dying the death that we deserve and that's why Romans three twenty three says for the wage of sin is death Jesus you died our death but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord Jesus you did what we could not you did what we should and you give us life when we trust you and so we praise you God you're working your law is good Would we now by your spirit trust you and be conduits of your grace into this world, but also would we show the world what you're like because we live according to the law, but we do it by grace through faith in Jesus. So we thank you for the gift of the law, for your grace, and ultimately we thank you for Jesus, and we pray this in his name.
0: Amen. 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 Thank you for listening to the gospel life. If you have any questions or would like to send in your audio questions for the pastors, email podcast at glpuyallup.com. And now here's gospel life's Catherine Burke and Thomas Wagner singing hill songs, another in the fire.
4: Standing next to me There was another in the waters Holding back the seas Should I ever need reminding Of how I've been set free was a cross that bears the burden Where another died for me There is another in the fire
3: Say and walls cave in, nothing stands between us, nothing stands between.
4: Was and still is, and will be through it all.
3: So come what may, in the space between all the things unseen, in this reckoning.